With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This proudly presents the Bev Johnson Show. Let me hear you say Bev. Good morning, good morning, and welcome in to WDIA, The Bev Johnson Show. It is indeed a pleasure to have you with us once again on this Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Enjoy this fabulous day today. Well, get ready as we start some information and give you a little history this day. Sit back and relax. As always, yeah, as always, and do it to you, right? Yeah. Share some good information. When it's your turn to talk, you know you can. All you need to do is dial this number, 901-535-9342, 901-535-9342, 800 503-9342 that's 800-503-9342 or 833-535-9342 833-535-93 and if this day this day 
Tuesday, October 24, 2023 is your birthday. Happy birthday to each and every one of y'all out there who may be celebrating a birthday on this day. We say, God, y'all, go out and celebrate your life. Yeah, better. You better. When we come back, we'll give you a little history about a musician here in Memphis. Next, with me, Bev Johnson on The Bev Johnson Show. Only on WDIA. Welcome back to WDIA, the Bev Johnson Show. It is indeed a pleasure to have you with us once again on this Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Enjoy this fabulous day today. That's some good stuff. Every time I play this jazz, it takes me back to my roots when I was playing jazz at WJSU. The I love, the I love, (laughs) Jackson State University, yeah. Ronnie Jordan, Tinseltown, Caribbean Breeze by Russ Freeman. And before that, Miss Aloma Beach, Ray Parker Jr. Yeah, love this jazz. Love it, love it, love it. That's my ne- next career. I'm going to be playing jazz somewhere. What? Yeah. Well, as always, and apropos, it's starting off as we start this first hour talking to a young man who's no stranger to the Bev Johnson Show. He is the CEO of the Wellaby Group Incorporated, and always it's that time of year when they present the Jimmy Lunsford Legacy Awards. And let me say once again, good morning to my brother, Mr. Ron Hurd. How are you, Ron? I'm great, Sister Queen Bev. <laughs> you doing all right? You sounding I'm, great? I'm doing well today. I'm doing well. Good to see you. Excellent. Likewise. Good, good. As always, Ron, and yes. for our listeners who are listening across the country, may not know, say, who in the world is Jimmy Lonsford? Well, Jimmy Lunsford is like the well, Three Six Mafia had an album that came out back in the two thousands called "The Most Known Unknown." Jimmy Lunsford is most definitely the most known unknown because Jimmy Lunsford was basically like the most popular band leader for Black Americans in this country back in the thirties and forties. But he started here in Memphis as a school teacher at Manassas High School on North Memphis side, and uh, he volunteered himself to be the band director of the school. And he's credited with being the first person in anywhere in the country, in the world, actually, to teach jazz studies in a formal educational setting. Mm-hmm. And so he took his best high school students. They had a, a semi-pro professional band. He's credited being the first uh, black high school band director for black ki- children in the city area. So they was popular around the city, local dances, whatnot. He utilized radio very well to promote his band. 
1930, he left uh, Memphis and Manassas High School, some of his best high school students and uh, buddies from Fisk University, like Al Norris, Edwin Wilcox, and Will Smith. Not Will Smith, but Willie Smith. Not no, Will Smith ain't a time traveler. Not, not that Will Smith. Okay. Yeah. But uh, they left, and within several years, they was the house band at the Cotton Club up in New York back in 1934 at the uh, Duke Ellington and Cab Calloway, and they became very popular by broadcasting live from the Cotton Club throughout the country, I think through CBS or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you had people like Miles Davis and East St. Louis or Quincy Jones. They all grew up listening to Mr. Lunsford and his band on the radio. And there were big influences on them. And also, they were the number one band of choice for African-Americans in the 1930s and 40s. They were the top draw at the Apollo Theater, at the Apollo Theater up in New York for 10 years. And what set Jimmy Lunsford apart was his presentation. He he really put the show in showtime. Mm -hmm. Like they had tailor-made suits, uh, the trumpet section. They were very athletic, uh, great choreography. The trumpet section would throw their trumpets up in the air and catch them and play where they left off at. The uh the musicians could also dance and sing and tell jokes and stuff like that. There's a short from the 30s that really shows the greatness of their band and why they were so popular. And then also they had a distinctive two-beat sound that everybody craved because Lunsford had some gifted arrangers like Cy Oliver really was the architect of that Lunsford sound. He was a very gifted arranger. And uh, somebody like Glenn Miller, who was a, a great admirer of Mr. Lunsford, like if uh, – Jimmy Lonsford is Magic Johnson, then Glenn Miller is Larry Bird. Mm. But Glenn Miller had such utmost respect. He said that um, Jimmy had the best of all bands, like the best presentation. He said Duke is great as an Ellington. Basie or Count is remarkable as in Basie. Mm -hmm. But Lonsford tops them both. And the only thing that Lonsford didn't have going for him was that length of years. Because you think about Duke Ellington and Count Basie, both these guys almost made it to eighty. And we lost Jimmy in 45, but before wow. I get to that, yeah. it's like Jimmy Lonsford, what I love about him is that he really had a heart for serving his community, for for being a part of a beloved community, for building the community, for like, you know, investing in, in young people. Mm-hmm. Like when he would come back after becoming famous, he would come back and sell out Memphis at the, I guess, church auditorium, other yeah. places and venues mm-hmm. like that. But he would always come back to Manassas High School to do free music clinics and also to do free concerts for the kids there. Now, one of my Jagnas, I don't call them mentors, I call them Jagna. That's more of like, you know, uh, it's Mr. the late, great Emerson Abel Jr., mm-hmm. one of the greatest you know, band directors the city I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But he was really inspired by Mr. Lunsford coming back uh, and sharing his gifts and his side men, like Joe Thomas, the great tenor saxophonist from Kansas City, really left an impression on Mr. Abel. And he ended up becoming like a very skilled uh, saxophone man. And a very gifted educator. Like, he was at the band director at Manassas at one point. And he kicked Isaac Hayes out the high school band, but ended up working what? for Isaac Hayes. <laughs> he kicked him out the high school band and oh, ended up no. working for Isaac at Stacks. Uh-huh. And helped him, like, with Shaft and, you know, he did the watch Stacks and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, but, you know, Manassas, uh, I, you know, Memphis is interesting because you had somebody like Mr. Lunsford start a very powerful tradition in terms of music education in the schools for black children. Mm-hmm. And I don't think stacks could happen without, you know, yeah. all these kids going through these very great high school programs, whether it be uh, Manassas or Booker T. Washington or, or Douglas or anywhere. Like, you know, it's because this guy started this thing in the 20s. I don't know if he realized the impact he was having, but he started something that really caught on and that we as a city benefited from. So yeah. go back, Ron, and mm-hmm. and and so Mr. Lonsford 
was an educated man. Very well educated. Yeah, he actually he said he gra- yeah. gra- went to college. Yeah, he went to Fisk University. Fisk. Yeah, he okay. graduated class in 1926. Fisk wow. University. Wow. Uh, now y'all hear that? 1926. <laughs> A man, a black man, graduated from college in 1926. Yeah, yeah, a proud Kappa man. Kappa, oh, he, he was, was a Kappa man. He was a pretty boy, tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> but uh, he he was from Mississippi originally. What's interesting about Mr. Lunsford's story is that he uh-huh. comes from a very prominent family in Mississippi. He was born June 6, 1902 in uh, a community called Evergreen outside of Fulton, Mississippi, which is not mm-hmm. that far from Tupelo, where Elvis I know where is Fulton from. is. Yeah. yeah, Fulton, Mississippi. Yeah, but he was born in the Evergreen community, and in that community, a lot of his people own land, like hundreds of acres of land. And to this day, a lot of his people still own land down in that Evergreen community. Wow! Uh, so they were very like you know into land ownership and stuff like that. But he didn't grow up in Mississippi. He grew up actually in Denver, Colorado, mm. where his music instructor was uh, Paul Whiteman's father, Wilberforce Whiteman who was the superintendent of music for kids in the public schools in Denver, but who was a white man, but who also believed that every child had a right to a proper and sound music education. Wow. So he taught Jimmy Lonsford as well as his son, Paul Whiteman, who was like the so-called king of jazz. And uh-huh. this is the same dude that commissioned George Gershwin for Rhapsody in Blue. But also he taught another great swing band leader, uh, Andy Kirk. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy Kirk and Jimmy Lonsford, two of the greatest of their era. And they both were top bodies with Beforce Whiteman guy, you know, in Denver, Colorado, of all places. But, of course, he went back down south to get his education in Fisk University, got some more education up in New York, and came back down south to mm-hmm. teach at Manassas High School. Mm-hmm. And 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 so he stayed at Manassas for some years, a few years? Yeah, less than they read, under five years. Under five yeah, years. Yeah, I would say under five years. And so he wanted to start his own band? Yeah, he started his own band with his high school students. And that's oh, how it started. Yeah, the high school students started his band. But in effect, by him doing that, he, you know, his Credited with being the first high school band director in the city schools for black children, I will say. I, I believe, like, it's funny how you say we're first star because, yes. you know, Jackie Robinson wasn't the first black baseball player. You had Moses right. Fleetwood Walker. You had a couple of people. And then you had G.P. Hamilton, who people forget about today, great historian, academic. You know, he, he was uh, the principal at Booker T. Washington at one point, I believe. Mm-hmm. But he started a band back in the 1900s, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's like whatever. But Jimmy Lonsford is credited with being – the high school band director first in that position also being the first person to teach jazz studies in a formal educational setting. And he did that among black children. And that's the one thing about HBCUs. A lot of our great music would not be what it is without those historically black colleges and universities, whether Mm -hmm. it be like students that came through there or educators that came through there, like Lunsford, a lot of these great uh, music visionaries have their grounding. Even uh, W.C. Handy taught it down in Alabama, uh, was A and E A and M A and M? Yeah, he uh-huh. taught down there. He was a teacher. He you know he quit, but uh, he taught down there at one point. <laughs> he quit. So yeah. all these great people got connections to the musicians. Yeah, the yeah. musicians. Yeah. And and so when Mister Lonsford decided to leave Manassas, and you said he took students to start his own band, the he, Jimmy Lonsford Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. He went to straight to New York. No, nah, he had to. They struggle. You know, oh, he struggle like okay. you know, cold nights in Buffalo and Cleveland and stuff like that, sharing like yeah. cheese and crackers between them. And it's one thing about the Memphis guys, like even a generation or so later, like when you had people come out of Manassas, like a Frank Stroger and George Coleman and Harold Mayburn and Booker Little, all them guys was like a band of brothers. Like it started with Lunsford because all them guys looked out for each other. They stood. I mean, even you go back to Handy. 
So Handy's not. It's funny how a lot of cats who really exemplify Memphis, the great mm-hmm. ambassadors for Memphis, they weren't born here, let alone cultivated right. here. Mm-hmm. But they found something here that need to be brought out to the world, that need to be shared with the world. So like a lot of them guys, they have that mentality where we could make it together as a, as a team. We could get there. You can get there faster by yourself, but you get there further as a team. So Mr. Lunsford really had that mindset. We're a band of brothers. We're going to make it together. And eventually they made it to the Cotton Club and uh, Apollo Theaters and stuff like that. Mm. I always wanted to know, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question, but what sparked your interest in knowing about Jimmy Lonsford? It's an interesting thing. I, I guess I had to go up up the Lazy River. I had to go up the Lazy River to watch you <laughs> in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was funny how that worked because I just came from my first black uh, alumni reunion at WashU. I call it Washington University in St. Louis where okay. I was the uh, undergrad. Okay. About 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago. I can't believe it's been over 20 years ago. But it was uh, my freshman year. And I was in this uh, art school class called Three Dimensional Studies. Mm-hmm. It was taught by a, an Italian-American named Giuseppe Peroni. He was from Boston. But he actually went to school at WashU back in the day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And we used to bump pads because the class would be on Monday and Wednesdays at 8 o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, you Monday, 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know how, you know, you're a yeah, freshman yeah, and all this yeah, stuff. You yeah. party, whatever. And I just was not coming into class on time. And he thought I was a distraction. I was like a, a, a smart ass. I mean, I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, but, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. And, um, but you know what happened? Like, it was like a Spike Lee joint. You know, like, uh, uh-huh. you know, like do the right thing part yes. two or something. Uh-huh. But what happened was that he showed a documentary on Sun Ra, the great jazz mystic and uh, just visionary Afrofuturism music and all that. And I was just uh, spellbound by it. It was me and there's another black guy in the class named Ian White. And he was sleeping. And when he woke up, he said, huh? And we're about to sleep. I said, huh? I said, yeah, I like that. Because some of our philosophy was about spaces, the place, and like, you know, reimagining yourself, mm-hmm. reclaiming your narrative, but also creating your own reality, your own standards and manifesting that. And also uh, being like an alchemist, you know, taking stuff that people throw away, like, the people that were discarded by society, Sun Ra took them and made them to master musicians. Mm. You know, he was able to travel the world with no means of really financial support. He was able to go teach classes at Berkeley back in the day. I don't think nobody ever paid them, but they was packed out mm-hmm. in Berkeley, mm-hmm. but able to go to Europe and, and, and places like that and spread what he spread. And I can remember uh, the impact of just seeing that. And I wanted to know more, but every time I was researching to jazz and stuff, 
Cause the 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 instructor ended up making like uh, me like tapes and stuff from his private album collection. He had this very extensive collection. Mm-hmm. My first CD, jazz CD, was John Coltrane, Giant Steps, and this blew my mind. Wow! But when I started really getting into the jazz thing, everything led back to Memphis, mm. and this mm. name kept on popping up. Name Lunsford. I said, "This is interesting. Like everything keep on coming back to Memphis, like." Charlie Parker, dad is from Memphis. Louis Armstrong, wife who made him a star, superstar is from Memphis. Little Harden Armstrong. Uh, all these things come through Memphis. So like the Lunsford thing started coming up, and then I started digging deeper to him and what happened there. One summer day in, uh, I want to say it was August of 2007, I had a Memphis Flyer paper in the back seat of my car, and I was pumping gas, and this dude's face was staring at me from the front cover of this paper, and it says something like backed by unpopular demand. Like, you know, this guy, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the uh the author Preston Lauterbach, he's a, a historian and a, you know, published author. He was trying to make the case why Lunsford should be better recognized and respected in Memphis and mm-hmm. his how to restore his rightful place in the in the pantheon of jazz greats in American music history. Cuz like I said, this guy was the most popular band director. His band was the most popular band for black people in the whole country. Wow. Like black folks in West Virginia loved this guy. You know, black folks in Houston, black folks in Mississippi, black folks in New York City, everywhere they wanted Lunsford. I mean, if you look at his contemporaries like uh, Count Basie, mm-hmm. he said he was one of the greats, but yet he's not remembered as a great. He's yeah. marginalized and made invisible. But the thing about it is that you can't deny greatness forever. Truth crushed to the earth shall rise again. Mm. So this is what bring me back to the Lunsford thing. And then, like, my family connection to Lunsford, I found out 10 years ago uh, that my grandma, my father's mother, told me that when she was in high school, she had she was in a girl singing group in high school in Kansas. She says they actually performed for Mr. Lunsford or with him mm. when he came through Kansas. I didn't know that, you know, this is wow. like back in 2013. She passed on now. Yeah. But then, like, even my thing about jazz is that my her, her brothers, my great uncles, they grew up with Charlie Parker in Kansas City. He used to play at their clubs and restaurants and stuff in Kansas City. Then I had an Aunt Tilly that a lot of jazz musicians would visit in Detroit, like Dizzy Gillespie. I had an uncle tell me about how he met Dizzy Gillespie at Aunt Tilly's house, and they were smoking her smoke weed every day. They were smoking her best stuff. Yeah. And though she was a culinary <laughs> person. She was a character. So I, I had all these connections. I didn't know, but I started yeah. getting appreciation for it in college with the jazz. And I just thought jazz was like a sophisticated white people music. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I look at how it's been commercialized and promoted. That's for like the beatnik, you know, yeah. the beret and yeah. all that. Yeah. You know, I can get it. It's from our people that came out the off the plantation and off the ships and stuff and like that. Something. It's from us. It's our, you know, it comes from our sorrow songs, as the boys said. Dr. Mm. Du Bois once said. The mm. sorrow songs. One wow. of the greatest gifts to America, the sorrow song, our spirituals. Yeah. Wow. If you've just tuned in this morning, I love this man because he is a a book, a wealth of knowledge, I should say. We are talking about Mr. Jimmy Lunsford. If you've never heard the name, we're going to be talking about coming up the Jimmy Lunsford Legacy Awards. As always, if you have a question or two for Mr. Ron Hurd, we do invite you to call 901-535-9342-800-503-9342-833-535-93342 will get you in to us. You think you heard something, and we're going to get some more history on Jimmy Longsford from Ron Hurd. Next, with me, Bev Johnson on The Bev Johnson Show on W. 
CIA. You're listening to Tennessee Radio Hall of Famer, Bev Johnson, on WDIA. radio station your goodwill and good time station the best music or what about the personalities that come into your homes cars and offices on a daily basis well it's all of those things but it started first with the music and the personalities and it's time we pay homage to the first radio personality of wdia join the memphis city council the city of memphis and your wdia family friday october 27th 2 p.m for the unveiling honorary street renaming of nat d williams Yes, Nat D. Williams, the first black radio personality of WDIA and former Booker T. Washington high school teacher. Hear from city officials and special guests during this ceremony honoring a man that changed the course of not just Memphis radio, but black formatted radio all over the world. Don't miss this historic moment. The honorary street renaming of Nat D. Williams on Mississippi Boulevard, Booker T. Washington High School, Friday, October 27th at 2 p.m. We're celebrating 75 years on your radio all year long. Let's go. With the heart and soul of Memphis, AM 1070 WDIA. Our story is being... Good morning and welcome back. I am talking to Ron Hurd, the CEO. I'm I be messing this. We all B group. <laughs> I got it, Ron. Yeah. I got it. Right. All right, all yeah, good. That's all. We all B. Yes, we 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 all B. Yeah. Before I go to our phone lines, Ron, and and when we're talking about Jimmy Lonsford, he. So where did he die? Where did he? You said he only lived to be forty five. It was forty five years old or young. Uh, he died July twelfth, nineteen forty seven, up in Seaside, Oregon, before a concert. Yeah, he actually was signing autographs at a music shop and just dropped, and basically dropped dead. And um, it was right next door to the place where he's gonna play his last gig. The place was known as the Bungalow. Wow. It was a concert venue, but. Uh, no, the four, uh, the lore. I mean, excuse me. Like what uh, people believe happened was that allegedly uh, his band was denied service at a local restaurant. It was called like a restaurant ten or something like that, number ten, in uh, Seaside, Oregon. And uh, he, uh, people don't understand. Oregon was a state. I think it's the only state in the union they had in this constitution. It became a state back in 1859. This is two years before the Civil War that uh, black people could not live, work, or own property. In Oregon, mm. this is not Mississippi, or Alabama, or Georgia. Oregon. This is Oregon. This is the Pacific Northwest. Yes, uh, you know this is the place where Lewis and Clark went to see the Pacific Ocean, specifically in Seaside, because they got a statue dedicated to Lewis and Clark. That's where they saw the Pacific Ocean from Seaside. But you know, Jimmy Lonsford was a very proud and confident black man. He and basically, I they said that he argued with the staff and 
the owners of the venue or with, of the restaurant said, go ahead, serve these guys. And I believe they wanted hamburgers, but they didn't have any hamburgers. So they ate like some roast beef sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like allegedly how it goes is that, you know, Jimmy dropped dead. Uh, allegedly was food poison. And then some members of his band actually got sick on the bandstand because they started the concert without their leader. And that was unusual because normally he would be there, mm-hmm. you know. So they just went ahead and start. And, they, you know, a lot of people got or some of the band members got sick. They were throwing up allegedly or going to the restroom, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, from my understanding from what I read. And then they found out halfway through the the gig that their leader was dead. And Jimmy Lunsford allegedly had, like, a, a bankroll of $1,500 on this person for mm. a payroll. Mm. That all disappeared. Now, that's $1,500 in 1947 money. So Yeah, 1947. Yeah, it's wow. kind of like with Otis Redding. When he got killed in the plane crash, he had, like, a suitcase allegedly with $10,000 in it. Gosh. And the people who retrieved this body, they turned it in allegedly to the police officers. You know, police officers back then was making, like, 5000 a year mm-hmm. in that area anyway. And uh, he had 10000 over, like, one or two nights' work. Wow, ten thousand in a suitcase. I've never, never came. heard that. Well, it disappeared, and people yeah. claim it never got turned in. That what the police said. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we, the folks yeah. they retrieved the body, we turned in a suitcase with ten thousand dollars. But anyway, they, no, they stole the bankroll from Mister Lonsford. And it's like uh-huh. it's so many conflicting stories. Cause okay, I heard people. You know, he used to own his and fly his own airplane, which was unusual because he was a black man. He brought his first airplane. Well, he took his flight lessons in nineteen thirty nine. Just during the Great Depression. He brought his first airplane for what would be today's money, $500,000, mm. 1940. This is the Great Depression. And his wife knew how to fly airplanes, Crystal Tully Lunsford. He used to be an English teacher at Booker T. Washington High School. She was the English teacher and crushed of Dr. Vasco Smith, uh, the wow. husband of Dr. Ma- uh, Mrs. Maxine, Maxine Smith. Yeah. yeah. So that, like, he told me about how you know he had to crush on this uh, Jimmy Lunsford's wife, and he was a big Jimmy Lunsford fan. He was a huge Jimmy Lunsford fan, Dr. Vasco Smith. But uh, – Somebody thought he died in the plane crash. Uh, uh, another guy told me he thought he got killed in the Cotton Club over rights to his music. Uh, mm. That he died because they wanted to use it. They use his music to uh, do cartoons. Like mm. they would make cartoons. They use his music as a soundtrack. I got rid of him in my nursery rhymes. You know, you probably heard that growing up. That's yeah. Jimmy Lunsford stuff. And now, now there's uh, articles of Mr. Lunsford fighting Decca. He was signed to Decca Records back in the day, mm-hmm. and they were withholding royalties of his. Now, there's an article from the Metronome magazine, I believe, uh, that came out in December 1938. The time about Mr. Lunsford was suing Decca for his publishing and his royalties. I mean, he was owed, like, I think $7,500,000 in royalties. Mm. This is back in the day. I it's know. 1938. So people always talk about Prince and Michael Jackson and Sam Cooke and Otis Redding. Like yeah. this guy was fighting for that back in the back 30s. In, yeah. And uh he died a crazy death too. Like all these guys I just mentioned, they all fought to get ownership of their intellectual property and they all died really weird deaths. I mean, Mr. Lunsford is one of them. Wow. So like he had two funerals. He had one in New York. He was, you know, he used to live in White Plains, New York. Mm-hmm. And he had a big home there. Like his neighbors were like uh Representative Adam Clayton Powell Jr. And one of the Nicholas brothers. And I had talked to one of his oh. nephews, his uh, wife's uh, biological nephew. And he uh. said they used to visit uh, the Lunsfords up in White Plains for the summer. And Jimmy Lunsford not only flew airplanes, but he also had a Harley Davidson. He would just drive around the wow. neighborhood. And he used to call him Piggy because, you know, he you know he loved his steaks and stuff. He yeah. got, you know, kind of, so, you know, got cool and healthy a little bit towards the end. Uh-huh. Uh, success, whatever. But he used to uh, have his nephew drive on a motorcycle with him. 
And then his nephew told me that, you know, he took him up in the airplane that he owned, him and his sister. But they had to come back down because his sister started crying, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he had an amazing childhood growing up with somebody, Mr. Lonsford, and visiting his aunt up in White Plains. But uh, they had a funeral for him that was like a Hollywood, uh, like, show business. Uh-huh. People like Pearl Bailey, Pearl Bailey, Sammy Davis Jr., all the elite black entertainers came, that out. Time. Yeah, yeah. came out to pay their respects to Mr. Lunsford. Wow. Then he had one in Memphis where thousands of people came out. And like I said, H.D. Um, uh, Whalum, who was the patriarch of the Whalum family. This mm. is Kirk Whalum's uh, grandfather. Mm-hmm. He was Jimmy Lunsford's best friend. So H.D. Whalum, very talented singer in his own right. He sung at, at Mr. Lunsford's funeral. And on the way home, he got killed in a car accident. This is July 21st, 1947. Wow. So he's buried not that far away from Jimmy Lunsford in Elmwood. Cemetery. Wow. Yeah. So Jimmy Lonswood is bur- buried in Elmwood. Yeah, he's buried in Elmwood. And uh, I like to read a right quote. In, right yeah. in Soulsville, yeah, USA. Right in Soulsville, where he <laughs> wow. belongs. The birthplace of Rita Franklin, uh, yeah. the home of Johnny Ace. His home still exists. But, uh, you know, we were talking about, you know, tomorrow is the uh, 75th anniversary of WDIA yes. being the first black radio station in the country. Yes. And we, you know, we was talking about Nat D. Williams. Yeah. And we're honoring Nat D. Williams as well. He's getting his street, right? On yes. October 27th by uh-huh. Booker T. Washington. Uh-huh. And rightfully so. But I, I just want to share what uh, Nat D. Williams said about Mr. Lunsford's burial in Memphis. And that really inspired me, really, to go hard for Mr. Lunsford. Uh, the things that he said about Jimmy Lunsford. This is what Nat D. Williams said. Uh, he said, Jimmy Lunsford was buried here in Memphis. The spot he occupies should have something of a special significance. He took a group of relatively unsophisticated Memphis color boys and wielded them into an organization which scaled the heights of musical eminence. He presented something new in the way of musical presentations by Negro orchestras. Lunsford and many others like him chose to remain at home and with their people. His death should have meaning and inspiration and guidance to others. If we permit it, Lunsford's burial in Memphis can mean this. This is what Nat D. Williams said. This is like my marching order. Wow. You know, this is him talking from the grave. I call him a righteous ancestor. Yes. All Nat right. D. Williams, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Ron, we're going to our phone line. Some folks want to talk to you. And thank you all for waiting. Prince of the Chalk. <laughs> you got me. You always get me on that. Good afternoon to, well, good morning to you, your caller, to your listeners. Uh, Mr. Hurd, how you doing today, sir? I'm great. I'm blessed. I'm alive talking to you, man. How you doing? Oh, uh, man, I'm on the top shelf. Put that in your book, too. All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, Mr. Hurd, I was listening to you talk, and I was taking some notes, and I want to ask you a couple of questions, if I may. Okay. Um, I, I, I love jazz, jazz myself. Right now, the quest, one of the questions I want to ask you, uh, Mr. Hurd, past or present, which jazz entertainer would you would like to like the men in the past or in the present. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> I would definitely, uh, I'll say the Lonies Monk. Mm. Oh, yeah. He was the Lonely great, Spirit yeah. Monk. Because the Lonies was a fascinating dude. He was a Libra. His birthday was October 10th. Uh, he was from Rocky Mount, North Carolina. But he was truly a genius. Like he said, in order to be a genius, just to be yourself. And I think people don't understand what a genius really is. A genius is not the smartest person. You could be an idiot and be a genius. It's just a that's person right. that's true to who they are. And that's how you make your unique mm-hmm. contribution to the world. And you're, right. not, you, you're not afraid to show up as you. That's what a genius is to me. You don't have to be as smart as Einstein to be a genius. You just got to show up as you and, and share what you love to do with the rest of the world. Well, one thing about Einstein, people don't realize, he couldn't dress himself. Yeah, I mean, everything, you, in his yeah. closet, everything in his closet was identical. He there said it was too much of an effort to try to pick out different shirts, different pants, different uh, coats. So he had all the coats, all his shirts, and basically all his pants were all the same. That's Steve Jobs right there. Too, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> black turtleneck. Oh, go ahead, I'm listening. Yeah. Okay, so that's past, present. Which artist or jazz performer you would like to perform if you was going to perform with them? Oh, they're still around. Oh my God. Yes, sir. Hmm. You know what? I mean, because when you did when you did um, Louis Armstrong, you did a great impression of him. I would say, you know what? I appreciate. It. I would say Winton Marcellus. I met Winton this year. I had a Jimmy Lusky okay. Legacy Award for, for him. I like Winton. He grows on me because he is, uh, in a way, conservative, but he's necessary because he knows the history. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's a great, you can't argue with his musicianship. You know, I play my trumpet and cornet. Like I told him, I was told you the world's greatest trumpet player, man. Uh, and I play a little bit of trumpet. You know, he started laughing, but he was so laid back. But I like his passion uh, for the music and I like what he did with the Buddy Bowden contract I mean uh, soundtrack that came out a couple years ago with Buddy Bowden the first Jazz King and I think uh, that's a movie that everybody should see I think it was it was, it was a passion project but Winton actually did the whole soundtrack with his orchestra or whatever and it was great and my thing <laughs> is um, about Winton why I had the chance to talk to him was that he's a big fan of Louis Armstrong. He's a big, big mm. fan of Duke Ellington. I mean, he won his Pulitzer Prize uh, utilizing Duke Ellington's work as the blueprint. He, he won a Pulitzer that Duke was denied back in the 1960s when he was approaching 70 years old. Mm. And Duke took it well. He said, God didn't want me to be famous too young. Mm. But the thing about, I, I talk about Mr. Lunsford, how great he was. Yeah. Because I had a chance to tell Winton, and I saw him at the Atlanta Jazz Festival the past Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> And I was able to connect with him, gave him the Jimmy Lawrence for Legacy Awards. He was excited like a little kid on Christmas to get this plaque that I did. I've been trying to get to him since 2016. I said, Winton, I know you love, he said, I love Jimmy Lunsford. I said, I know you love Duke too, Winton, but here's the deal. You know you know who Jimmy Blanton was, right? Of course he know who Jimmy right. Blanton was. Jimmy Blanton revolutionized jazz bass. He's like, he did for jazz bass what Jimi Hendrix did for rock guitar. Mm. And he's from right. Chattanooga, and he went to Tennessee State. He was a Tennessee Collegian, but didn't finish school. Did not know that. Yeah, but he, he you know, but he was in St. Louis working on the steamboat, the Stratford's line, under the great Fate Mirable, who also helped train Satchmo Louis Armstrong. So they both worked that line, <laughs> this, this steamboat line that came out of St. Louis. 
They would go down to New Orleans, all the way up to Davenport, Iowa, where they had the big spider back, who's like the Eminem of jazz, be listening to Lewis and all them guys. But Jimmy Blanton right. approached uh, these guys in Jimmy Lunsford's band, the great Gerald Wilson. He talks about this. Now, Jimmy Blanton, the, the greatest jazz bassist arguably in the history of jazz, the most revolutionary one, he wanted to not play for Duke Ellington. He wanted to be with Jimmy Lunsford. That was his first choice. That was, as you say, top shelf. Mm-hmm. He wanted Jimmy Lunsford, but Jimmy didn't want to give up Mose Allen. Mose Allen was a guy from Memphis that was with Jimmy Lunsford during his high school gay, high school days. So Jimmy was loyal to Mose Allen. He could have had the greatest jazz basses of his era, but, you know, Jimmy Blanton ended up selling for Duke Ellington, and, you know, they did the Blanton-Webster band. Duke Ellington made history with Jimmy Blanton, and Jimmy Blanton only lived to be like 22 years old. You know, but he made his contribution. And my last and final question to you, because I, I love jazz music myself, and I'm going to mm-hmm. give you my top three. What's up, Jackson? Your top three saxophone players of all time, past or present. Oh, see, uh, why you put me on the spot like this? Yeah, uh, because I love jazz. Man. I see, so you do love that noise. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying to myself, this guy's talking the noise I want to hear. So I well, just you know, hear your top You said my top three? three? And, and it, yeah. yeah, your top three. Oh my God! Well, of course, you well, got to put Coltrane in. I, I, Coltrane, I, I, I got Coltrane. I, I, I Coltrane. I, I, yeah, I give you my top three when you get done with yours. Okay, I, I got Coltrane. Coltrane is one of mine. Yeah, Coltrane. Yeah, you can't Coltrane go wrong is Coltrane. one of mine. But like, well, I got Coltrane as number two. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a rank per se, but Coltrane. What's well, your favorite? Okay. Sidney Bechet. Okay. And uh, I mean Eric Dolphy. Or Dolphy. Okay. My, Okay, mine would be number one. Mm-hmm. Well, let me start at number three. And this is a tie. And this is modern-day um, uh, horn blowers. And that would be George Washington, uh, Grover Washington Jr. Yeah. and Art Porter. You know, Art Porter is from uh, over in Arkansas. Yeah, I heard great, about Porter. Great yeah, mm-hmm. yeah okay. he's, he's excellent. If you, if you get a chance, uh, number two would be, like I said, uh, John Coltrane. And number one would be uh, Najee. Okay. I just love seeing those guys. Yeah, those, yeah. those are my favorites. Now, I didn't go all the way back like you, but I, I know the ones you're talking about, and I just want to hear yours. So we did match up because John Coltrane, one of his favorite songs I love to listen to on occasion, and these are a few of my favorite things. And, man, he blows the roof off that song. Yeah, because you know with Coltrane, it took a long time for somebody to have an answer for Sidney Bechet on soprano saxophone. Because Sidney Bechet basically introduced soprano saxophone to jazz. You know, Coleman Hawkins made the tenor saxophone a serious uh, jazz instrument. I love Coleman Hawkins, too. But Sidney Bechet okay. had a, such a dominant sound on soprano saxophone. It took Coltrane coming in the 60s with My Favorite Things to really give right. somebody a different alternative on the sound of soprano saxophone. All right. Well, he was ahead of his time. He was. All right, Bill. As thank always, you. thank you for allowing me to speak. I want each and every one of you to have a beautiful, blessed, and safe and healthy day. And thank you for the information today. Thank you, sir. Thank, thank you, you Prince. Okay. Bye-bye. W-D-I-A. Hi, caller. Hi, you're on yeah. the yes, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, brother Omar, thank you, brother, for being there and giving us all this uh, information. I'll tell you about myself. I knew all the Williams. I stayed uh, one. I was a little boy and stayed next door on the hill. Yes, I knew H. D. Williams. He was the elder. He was a great uh, saxophone player. And I think he he passed a couple of years ago. Got the obituary. He went to uh, St. Louis. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, Memphis was home. I know uh, all the four brothers, it was H.D., Harold, Wendell, Kenneth, and 
Rosemarie was the only girl. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about that neighborhood that I grew up in on Neptune and Saxon. Okay. Uh, that Mr. Floyd Newman stayed right across the street. Mr. Whitaker stayed right across the street. So I had uh, experience around those people. I was a great listener. Uh, later on, I kind of transitioned to my listening material. As I got older, I listened to John Coltrane and Miles Davis. Yes. And I just thought they were great, but, you know, I just... Just a great listener, and I knew those people. Like I said, I was a little brother in the neighborhood and running in and out of the Williams house. Miss, Miss Delma Williams was a music teacher at Hamilton, and uh, people like Carla Thomas, she, she gave piano lessons right there on that hill. So wow. I've been exposed to the Williams for years, knew every one of them. I was like the little brother in the neighborhood, in and out of the house, and they were in and out of my house. All right. I want to thank you for taking the call. Where is Herb Hancock? Is he still around? Yeah, Herb is still around. He's yeah. kicking it. Yeah. He's still around, Brother Omar. Thank you, Brother Omar. Uh, you do with me, huh? All right. <laughs> yeah, no, All right. You thank you. Talk. Thank you, Brother Omar. Thank you. Unforgetful. Wow. Another great show. Especially when it comes to music, man. I love it so much. I want to ask your guests a question, Beth, for dealing with, is there any way possible someone like me can get you on a CD or a tape talking about what you're talking about right now? No, that's a good question. Like, actually, I, I do podcasting and stuff like that. Um, I'm always talking. If you go to my uh, YouTube channel right now, they're trying to get me off of YouTube. But, <laughs> like, uh, the YouTube channel is like, you go, we all be TV, W-E-A-L-L-B-E-T-V. Or TV, yeah. It's all one word. You can see some of the stuff I've done. Cause I used to uh, follow Dick Gregory around and interview him. I was friends with Dick Gregory for like six years. And I got some Judge Joe Brown on there. But also I got my own commentary because I love traveling the country. And uh, just talking about little-known history or hidden history. And Memphis got a lot of hidden history. Yeah. Well, I just want to be getting the Joe Boys on tape or a CD where I could buy it and just listen to all the history that you know, because man, you telling me some things I didn't even know. But I would, I would like to ask you a question dealing with this uh, band and everything. I was just wondering, what is your feeling on the music today, dealing with the instruments that is digital that they doing? You know, like the brass and the guitar, the instrument is not really the sounds that people really. Think is the real true stuff that they doing mixing it up with this computerized stuff. What are your feeling on that? Well, I'm I'm open to a lot of things. I, I think look at somebody like Miles Davis, who came from that school of hard knocks of learning how to you know learn your instrument and stuff like that. Towards the end, he was open to you know using computers and stuff to edit things and things of that nature. My thing is, it's not about what you use. Is how you use is like, do you have something to say? Mm. Are you saying anything with the things that are you using? Are you just making pretty notes or whatever you're doing? Are you really saying anything? And I think that's uh, to me as an artist, that what speaks to me is not how necessarily how proficient you are on your instrument or your tools. Is like, are you saying anything? Is it connecting with people in a way? And I think it was interesting. Like, you know, I know you you asked about. Well, I think about them using these things, but also I'm looking at the state of rap right now, rap music and stuff like that. A lot of the rap music they hit with me today, a lot of times they got to sample something from people that actually knew how to sing or play. You know, a lot of jazz artists, uh, they'll use their stuff 
the samples so they can have something profound to go with. You know, you don't even know what they're saying, mm-hmm. but they, they're sampling something with soul in it. Yeah. You know, these are musicians that came up through the church or whatever. They had to come up through, you know, paying their dues and whatnot. And I think that's missing a lot uh, from today's music, that, that musicianship. Because you think about even Motown, them guys that made the Motown, the the the, the musicians, a lot of them had jazz backgrounds. It was you know, jazz trained or they were raised up in the church. So you missing that element. Even Michael Jackson, some of his greatest hits, he, who he was working with, Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And what's his background? So, yeah. I mean, like, you missing that now. Uh, there's no rites of passage. And I don't, like, or I'm talking about Mr. Lunsford, he started something in Manassas that really went throughout the whole community. It's like it's not, it just didn't stay in Manassas. It just didn't stop when he left because some of the people he trained in Manassas, they ended up becoming band directors at different places. Yeah. Good question, though, Forgetful. Hey, what you you want me to go now, Bill? Yes, sir, please. I'm out of you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, and the reason why I'm talking is I got other guests coming in. But mm-hmm. we are talking to Mr. Ron Hurd. When we come back, we'll talk about the 2023 Jimmy Lunsford Legacy Awards. Hold on, y'all. I got you next, right here on WDIA. Don't go away. The Bev Johnson Show returns after these messages. Welcome back. We are talking with Ron Hurd, the CEO of the We All Be Group, talking about the 2023 Jimmy Lunsford Legacy Awards. Before we go back, Ron, to our phone lines, tell our listeners, what is the 2023 Jimmy Lunsford Legacy Awards? Well, it's a, it's a chance for us to give honor to like not only Mr. Lunsford, but also to like the greatness of the Memphis music heritage tradition to honor those past and present who have been great ambassadors for our sound and our culture and our way of life, and also to recognize people doing the work of building beloved community in the spirit of Lunsford. Yeah. yeah. And so this year, who are you honoring? Uh, that's a great list. We're honoring them with WDIA, which is tomorrow's y'all 75th anniversary. It's yes, the it first is. black radio station in the country. And yes. under some of you, your, your trailblazers, Rufus Thomas, and yes. also uh, Nat D. Williams, yeah. the one and only. And uh, we're going to be honoring also uh, posthumously our homecoming court queen posthumously is uh, Jessie Mae Hemfield, mm-hmm. who is the queen of the Country Hill Blues from uh, Como, Mississippi. She actually was a childhood friend. I don't want to say friend. They grew up together. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather grew up with her. And I found out about it because I was reading uh, American Legacy magazine on her 20-something years ago almost. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, fellow, that's, I know Jessie. That's Jessie. I said, oh, you know Jessie Mae Hemfield. Yeah. Oh, interesting. He's passed on. He's a righteous ancestor now. Uh-huh. But also, we're honoring uh, Reverend Reverend Bartholomew uh, Orr. Yes. Uh, of you know, yes. uh, you know, Brown Baptist. Brown Baptist. Yeah, he does a lot of great work in the community. He does his God work, and also I believe Brother Kenneth Cole, who has his own like Bevo Fitness, his boxing academy out east yeah. at the Hickory Ridge Mall. We're honoring him, and uh, also Gangsta Boo, who we lost yeah. on the first of yeah. January. Yeah, and her mom is very excited. 
about us honoring Gangsta Boo. Okay. Uh, we look forward to doing that. And also our homecoming court princess is the one only Brandy Patrice. She's a great woman. Uh, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Doing a lot of work. Great musician, entertainer, philanthropist. And also uh, a good brother is a Princess Swavel Jones. Mm-hmm. He's a great, uh, well-known talent, uh, trombonist, trumpet player, rapper, poet, uh, just a visionary. And our, our good friend, another prince we're honoring is DJ Kyries, who's very much been a help to us in terms of helping us stay focused on our mission. He's really yes. been a, a, a heaven-sent person, an angel. And um, I'm trying to think. There's so many people. Yeah, <laughs> Queen Lucille Catron. And the Queen of Bill. The yeah. real the good Lucille Catron, we're honoring her because she does a lot of unsung work yes. to try to really keep our culture alive on Bill Street. And yes, uh, it's unsung and it's well-respected by us at the We All Be Group Incorporated. So uh, let me see. And also Paul McKinney, uh, music director at the Stax Music Academy, mm. uh, part of the McKinney clan. You know, his father, the great Curl McKinney, and his brother, the great Dr. Alvin McKinney. So mm. we're going to honor him because he exemplifies the Lunch 40 and tradition of investing in our young people, of giving them a solid foundation to move forward in life, to win at life. And he's definitely winning. He's definitely in demand in this season, uh, brother Paul McKinney. So I don't know. Do I, do I name everybody? I think I be. <laughs> I, I, I think you got most of them. I got most of them. <laughs> yeah, you got most of them. I think you got most of them. Okay, I got. Okay, I, you good, did. I got, I got them. Okay. And so, where is the Legacy Awards going to be held this year? It's going to be at the Hollering Center. Okay. You know, uh, yes. Two years ago, we had you as a homecoming. Yeah, court you queen. did. I did a great appreciate job. that. We appreciate you. So we're going to be at uh, at the Hollering Center. It's going to be uh, Saturday, November fourth. 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. That's, and it's free to the public. You just go online and register through Eventbrite. And also people can contact me. Uh, you probably could text me at 901-299-4355. That's 901-299-4355 because my voice may stay full and stuff. Yeah. So I might not, but you could text me and if you're interested, I can send you the link. And also, we have a full week of activities as well, too. Okay. Uh, sat- starting on Saturday, uh, October 28th, we're having a uh, listening event at the Memphis Listening Lab at the Crosstown Concourse. Oh, okay. And it's going to be on Saturday from 3 to 5. It's October 28th, and it's free. Everything is free to mm-hmm. the public. We're mm-hmm. paying for it, but it's free for y'all. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, Monday, we're doing something at Overton High School that's more for that. The, yeah. The oh, good. The kids. students. And then Manassas, we're doing something on Tuesday. And Manassas good. is for the students and faculty. Then on Wednesday, we have an event about the state of music education, a panel discussion at the Stax Museum, which is open to the public. Then on Thursday, we have a, a, a movie night at Stax. Uh, and also the thing on Wednesday is from 7 to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And the thing on Thursday, the movie night is from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. A man called Adam 
starring Shermy Baby. Yeah, Shermy, Shermy Candy Man. Yeah. Starring Sammy Davis Jr. as a troubled jazz musician, all star cast, Ozzy Davis, oh, Peter wow. Lawford, Donna yeah. Washington, uh, Cicely Tyson. I think Donna Washington. I don't know Donna Washington. But Cicely Tyson. Yeah. And uh, we finally got a piece of the pie, you know, yes. with Janet DuBois. Uh, it's gonna be in it, and um, on Friday we have been lunching with Lunchford at noon. We'll meet at the at the grave with Jimmy Lunchford to eat and offer food for thought to perform and all that beloved community. That's in Elmwood Cemetery at noon on Friday. Mm-hmm. Then Saturday is the big event. Yeah, uh, the Jimmy Lunchford Legacy Awards at the Hollering Center from five to eight thirty p.m. November fourth. You got a good week playing. That's good. It's good a busy stuff. week. Yeah, I'm busy. trying to. <laughs> I, I don't think you, it's you Wednesday. Busy. <laughs> you, you, you busy, but I love it. I love it. And so is all this information, Ron, you all have a website that people can go to? Well, we, we've been uh, doing the social media. I said, yeah, so, yeah. But people can do, like I said, they could text me 901-299-4355 if they really want the information. Okay. But also I also want to encourage people to go to Stacks this week, uh, Thursday. I mean, on Friday, they have an uh, exhibit opening of the Invaders, the Memphis Invaders. Oh, yeah. And the Mad Lads, matter of fact, John Gary Williams. Yeah, but f- matter of fact, you said that. I'll have Mr. Smith on tomorrow. That's excellent. Invaders. Yeah. And shout out to Mr. John B. Smith and yeah. uh, Layla. She really uh, did a great job of putting that exhibit together. Layla uh, Hamden. Yeah. yeah. Hamden. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get these last calls. W-D-I-A. Hi, Mo Lee. Good afternoon, uh, uh, the Queen of uh, Jackson State. Um, That's right. How are you doing today? I'm, do- I'm doing Mr. well, Molly, and you. Good, Mr. Hurd. Uh, very, very happy to hear you. Um, uh, my last address before I, I came to Memphis was East Tremont Avenue in the Bronx, mm. and um, my, my mother was classically trained in voice and piano. So therefore, I grew up on uh, Mr. Ellington and Mr. Basie um, and Mr. Lunsford. Okay. And what really surprised me is when I came to Memphis back in 79, 80, I would, I would talk about Jimmy Lunsford to people. And it was like I was, I was talking to, um, I was somebody from out of space. <laughs> that about right. I, <laughs> they, I couldn't understand that they didn't know who he was. I said, you don't know who this guy was. This, this, this man was absolutely amazing. But um, it, it's, it's pleasing to see that he is, he is getting his due um, from folks like you uh, so that, it's the education goes out to to our children. Um, I was pleased to hear you mention Brother Eric Dolphy. Um, Sidney Bechet is in the class by himself oh, with yeah, respect yeah. to the, yeah. the, the soprano. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dolphy uh, played the oboe, and a lot of folks don't know that. I mean, mm-hmm. his sound is just it will, will take you out to another planet. And then Brother Youssef. Did great things uh, with uh, with the bassoon. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, um, I had a birthday gift when I was uh, in law school uh, back in the seventies. A young lady took me to Carnegie Hall to see Mr. Hancock and Mr. Korea mm. play together. They had grand pianos back to back. And I will, that is the most exciting musical experience I have ever had in my life. And with that, may you both continue to thrive. You too, Molly. Thank you, Molly. Bye-bye. Common man.
Hey, Bear, how you doing? I'm doing well, Common Man, and you? I'm doing all right. And hello to you guests. Is it Mr. Heard? Yeah, yes. well, Brother Ron with Mr. Heard. I appreciate oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, first of all, acknowledgements to you. You, you. you great with the uh, imitation of the voices that you, that you do. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Well, I, I want to ask you, I listened to you speak with uh, Unforgetful, and you mentioned that you listen and you ask, what, what are you saying? And I think you were talking about the instruments, but also, uh, I guess we could ask the same question in regards to the lyrics. Right. And so I want to ask you, do you think, when you think about Tupac Shakur uh, being a rapper, did you ever get any positive messages out of any of his music? Because I did. I wondered, had you ever noticed any yourself? Well, how, how old are you? You mind telling me how old you are? Well, I try to play like a meon. Let me just put it like this. <laughs> okay, I'm just, I'm just curious because, like, with, with Tupac. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm middle age. I'm middle age. Okay, I, I, I just want ain't, uh, ain't nothing. I was saying that because Tupac to me, he's my favorite rapper. He's the number one. He's like the the eye test, the ear test. He's like Michael Jordan is the basketball. Tupac uh -huh. is the rap. And it's funny how they still uh -huh. to this day try to uh, lowbrow or downbeat him down. Like he's not lyrical. He's very right. lyrical. The man had anthems. He could stand up there with Smokey Robinson and, and Curtis Mayfield and Marvin Gaye. As far as lyrics go, mm -hmm. I mean, he had anthems. Dear Mama, come on, man. Yeah. Like, uh, keep right, your head exactly. up. A lot of this stuff he did, he was phenomenal. And he was right. like, if uh, somebody, I think most Def said, if Biggie was Chester Himes, right? He said Biggie was Chester Himes of, of hip hop. Tupac is the Shakespeare uh -huh. of hip hop. I mean, all this stuff he, he, the, he the blueprint. It's like, okay, when Tupac was alive, it, Tupac was talking about how people were stealing from him. But they were stealing from him. Uh -huh. Like, you know, Biggie said, baby, baby. Well, Tupac was saying, baby, baby. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. Ice Cube said, yay, yay. Well, Tupac was saying, yay, yay. He was saying all that, yay, right. yay. He did all the tattoos. He was doing bandanas. <laughs> he wore Versace. Well, they were buying it. Johnny Versace was giving Tupac Versace. Cause he loved him that much, right? And he modeled for him in Italy. Uh -huh. So Tupac is to me the blueprint, and also his backstory can't be compared to anybody. The Black Panther backstory, uh -huh. like he's to me Tupac right. is Chairman Fred Hampton Senior's revenge. You know, the guy who was uh -huh. killed in his bed mm -hmm. when he was twenty-one by the federal government back in December fourth, nineteen sixty-nine, which is the same birthday okay. of Jay Z, my number two. Jay Z, right? And let me say this in five, three seconds, I'm gone. I often compare or categorize poetry with rap. Mm. If you pay close attention to it, it has a lot of similarity. And, and Tupac was a poet all within himself as well. Most definitely, yes. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm out. Appreciate you. Thank uh -huh. you, Common Man. Bye-bye. And this this really the last call, Rob. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, it was okay, good. Yeah. WDIA, hi, caller. Hello, Bill. Chaplin Cummins here. Hey, Chaplin Cummins. How are you? Oh, just great, just great. I just wanted to tell Brother Lump that I, I, I enrolled in Manassas in 1943, and my school was up in, in, in 1955, mm -hmm. and I didn't know I was living in So much great music in Manassas, so, so much great things happened. My goodness. But he's still in a whole lot of blanks for me, and I just wanted to tell him thank you for what, what all he's done and did, you know. So I'm, a, I'm a young fella now, and I'm on 85, so oh, I remember, right. remember a few things. <laughs> it's an honor, sir. I appreciate it. I also want Mr. Abel, what he did, he's the co-founder of the Southern Heritage Classic. Yeah. He did that in his living room with Fred Jones. He actually designed the logo for the Southern Heritage Classic. 
But he was inspired by Jimmy Lonsford. I mm. mean, to do all these things. You know, wow. this big Man, hero. Yeah. We had so many great people over there. There's so much stuff. Yeah. And our principal, Louis B. Hobson, mm-hmm. he's still a legend. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you, when I went, they were just integrating. I'm very quickly. They were just integrating the Navy. And I went in as an engineer, team engineer. And, you know, that's, I was, wow, one mm-hmm. of about four or five in the whole United States Navy wow. and retired. Wow. So, you know, I thank you. Everybody that inspired all of us. So that Bonanza band was something else. Because Cosmic Jubilee, I know we always led the way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for your service, man, for the recollection and your memory. That's right. Thank you, Chaplain Cummins. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You know what, Ron, when I think about, when you talk about the history of Jimmy Lonsford, and I Mm -hmm. think, and I think about today, and uh, I mean, black folks back in the, they had it going on. Oh, they did. You said his man, he had his own band. He had it. I mean, he had his own airplane. He had his, gosh, we, we. We were great. We we did good things, great things. That's right. We did. And and I'm and I'm so proud of you because I love how you like to give the knowledge, especially to these young folks who don't know. Right. And some of the old folks who don't know <laughs> as well. You know, and, and we learned this. I learned so, so thank you for for bringing this to us as mm-hmm. always. And once again, tell our listeners they want to come to the Legacy Awards. It's absolutely free, y'all, but you all will get a wealth of knowledge and they have good entertainment run. Y'all yeah, have good entertainment. entertainment. We also do an honor, we're gonna honor Floyd Newman. He was our first homecoming yes. court king back in 2017. Yeah. So we lost him this year, the great Floyd yeah, Newman. Mr. Newman, he was my church member. Yeah. Yeah. But he also he was a guy that believed in Isaac Hayes early because Isaac yes. played for him at the plant- plantation inn over in West Memphis. And he saw something in Isaac. Like I asked him who was the greatest who was the greatest musician you ever encountered. He said it was Isaac Hayes. Wow. Somebody he helped discover and support early on. And, and, and we always hear this and know this. It says, uh, Ron, I know you've heard this. It says, Floyd Newman, he put the sacks in stacks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he put the sacks in stacks. Yes, he did. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Newman was something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, put the, he put the sacks in stacks, y'all. He's one of those great musicians that played on a lot of those hit records, Ron, mm-hmm. that were produced at Stax Records. Yep. Yep. So let me put some respect on his name, but I just like, I'm glad that we got that connection with Mr. Newman. We was able to give him his flowers. Yes, why we he got it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. So again, that date, Ron Forth, come out to the Halloran Center. November 4th, 5 to 8.30 p.m., but do us a favor because seats are very limited and they're going. Uh, Just text me, 901-299-4355 for the link to register. And then and text Ron because all that week you I, I love how you're gonna have the movie at yeah, Stats. Yeah. You got a lot of things going on. <laughs> it's, it's free, but it's not free for me. Like oh, but you gonna be you gonna be fine, brother. But Lord, yeah, hey, hey, y'all, 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 y'all helping sponsor this brother. You know, he, donations help him because he he's doing good in the neighborhood. I'm trying to, but also I think it's time for Memphis to have a free music festival. I mean, all this yeah. Bill Street Music Festival stuff because Bill Street Music Festival started by. Black people, by black musicians, wanted to connect and bring folks from this community home to perform. 
And we're missing out on the greatness of this community. We created so many great people and things came through Memphis. It's time to pay it forward and really invest in the people here that chose to make Memphis their home and, and put roots down here. Well, maybe, you know, Ron, you can spearhead it for next year because we'll it's the Bill Street <laughs> Music Festival is not coming, y'all, next year. Y'all know y'all know that, don't you? <laughs> Memphis is paying. said they, they can't afford it. They can't afford it. But the Atlanta Jazz Festival I went to back in Memorial Day weekend, you had forty to 50,000 people come out the first day. Wow. And it was subsidized by the city government or whoever. But the, yeah. pe- but the vendors made money. The people made memories and stuff like that. I think we really needed to support the people here. Yes, we do. Because we always talk about tourism. But more about the people who decide to live and stay and even in, die here. In Memphis, Yeah, Tennessee. it's time for that. It's, it's time. Brother, we're going to put that out. Yes, ma'am. We're going we gonna to throw that out to the new Mary Lick. <laughs> yeah, Brother Paul Young, come yeah. on now. <laughs> so, because so, we, we have, Memphis always has a connection. Yeah. Somebody is always connected of to Memphis, Tennessee. That's right. And especially musicians. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Like everything run through Memphis, man. Yeah. Everything run through Memphis. Like Miles Davis kept on saying he kept on getting these guys in his band in the 60s. Like like a George Coleman, Harold Mayburn, they all came from one high school. Manassas said, what they doing down there? Not realizing that his music hero started that tradition, Jimmy Lunsford. Wow. wow. He said that in his autobiography. All right. You know? Thank you, brother. Always good to have you here, Ron. Well, thank you for it. I appreciate and, it. And, and don't don't be a stranger. All right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ron Hurd, the CEO. We all be in talking about the Jimmy Lunsford legacy and coming up. Thank you, Ron, so much. Thank you. As we come back, we're going to the other side of the Bev Johnson Show, share some more information, and always powered by Washington Brothers Roofing. It's going to rain again. Call Washington Brothers Roofing, 901-486-0609. That's 901-486-0609. Whether you're in Arkansas, Tennessee, or Mississippi, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, thank you for listening to The Bev Johnson Show on WDIA Memphis. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.